said you got saved within three months. Uh, that's what we have, Jason. Uh, Liv Cutt, I'm just speaking at you, but thank you for that. If you would, this morning, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. This morning we're going to look at saving grace, sustaining grace, and sanctifying grace. We're saying about grace this morning and what grace is, but I'm going to look at this passage of scripture and I want us to look at the, the differences that we see when the word of God shows us about grace. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we want something to happen within us. Lord, we can't do within ourselves. We pray that God, the Holy Spirit, move in each and every heart. We pray you in our presence. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that Satan be barred from this place, Lord, that you reveal your word to us this morning. Apply your word to our hearts that we would leave here this morning loving you more than we did when we got here. Lord, you move on us in a great and mighty way, and I pray that you'll be pleased with Calvary Baptist Church this morning. Truly worship you the way that you deserve to be worshipped. Saving grace, sustaining grace, and sanctifying grace. What is the what is it that makes Christianity different than all other religions? You say, well, what is Jesus? Well, we're going to have to back up a little further. That is one of the answers, but we need to back up even further than that. Why did Jesus come? Well, die for man's sin. Well, let's, let's move even further back than that. Why did Jesus Christ come born of a virgin, come into this world to save man from himself, from sin? God's grace. That's it. So it all goes back to grace. You say, well, uh, what makes us different in a, a, a Christianity different than other uh, religions? And it is grace. There are religions that teach incarnation. You know that? Greek mythology shows that. There are uh, men in the flesh that are gods. So it has to be different from that. Then there are some that say that there are those that have uh, religious that believe that there's people that have raised from the dead. So what is it that separates? What uh, is it that differs Christianity than everything else? And here it is. God's love comes free of charge, no strings attached. There's no other religion that matches that. The true God, Jehovah, is a God of love and he comes to give man through grace his love and bestow that upon him. No strings attached. Buddhists follow an eightfold path to enlightenment. So therefore it's not free. Hindus uh, believe in karma that your actions determine your next life. Jews Believe that you have to obey the law to the letter to appease God and to be accepted of Him. In Islam, one must carry out certain actions because truly Allah is not a God of love. There's things that have to be done to appease Him. It is only Jehovah who loves mankind in such an unconditional way so much 
that he has devised a divine plan of, uh, to provide salvation as a free gift, totally free, uh, free that uh, merely has to be accepted by faith. Nothing plus, minus nothing, grace, free gift. So this morning, as we think upon this, I want us to study about grace. The Word of God uses the word grace in three distinct ways. Saving grace, saving grace, and sanctifying grace. I want to give, step back a little bit and uh, see something over the last two weeks I've thought on grace. I wasn't even studying the Bible. I was meditating on the way home one day and thinking about grace. And the Lord revealed something to me. When Adam was created, Adam was created without God's grace. He wasn't needed, right? He's perfect. Adam needed not God's grace. He was created perfect. He was created more than God. Adam uh, was created perfect. He, um, uh, he just didn't know right from wrong because he didn't know there was any wrong. So he actually did not need God's grace. And God had placed him in the Garden of Eden to be the overseer over all that he had created. He even named Adam. But then something happened. Sin in Man sinned. Adam sinned against a holy and righteous God. He was disobedient to God. He decided that he would make up his own path. And the fall of mankind happened. Now, God in eternity past already knew that was going to happen. Didn't catch God uh, by surprise that morning that he walked into the garden and couldn't find Adam and Eve. He knew what had happened and he knew what was going to happen. So out of God's great love for mankind, he devised this divine plan to give man something that he does not deserve. Grace. Now listen to me. I believe everyone would agree that Adam didn't need grace when he was created. And God had set Adam up to be over all the things that he had created. Now follow me then that actually means that once uh, man fell and God's grace was bestowed and when an individual uh, believes on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and accepts him into his heart, God's grace is being bestowed upon that individual. Amen? And what does that make you? Makes you a child of God, right? And then actually it makes you an heir to a throne. What the word of God tells me. It says that I will come as Christ one day. So it would be true to say then that through God's grace prevailed me higher than Adam would have been without it. Adam was not an heir to a throne, but I am. See what grace has done there? The songs that we've sang this morning, the songs that we know, amazing grace, I'm going to tell you that the English language or no language can ever put an adjective before grace that will explain its depths. Lord's greatness. What a beautiful picture has been given us. Grace. And the Word of God is very clear on uh, the way grace is bestowed, and it shows us the saving grace, the sustaining grace, and the sanctifying grace. So this morning, I want us to first look at this saving grace. Look there with me in Ephesians chapter 2, real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I want us to look at this saving grace. 
played out before us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of words, at least any man suppose. The Greek word for grace was actually a word that was used, it was kara, is what it was uh, said, or the way it was said. And actually the Greek definition of that word is, is that uh, a favor freely given to a friend without claim or expecting of return. show you where God's grace supersedes that. Actually through God's grace, what God has done, God uh, came through the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate came, and he gave grace to his enemies. You see the difference? The word's been defined to God now. God's grace was bestowed upon his enemies. Remember that it says if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of mine. Well, each and every one of us, because of this sinful flesh in which we're born into, are born in to be enemies of God. But God's grace shows up. God's grace has been bestowed upon mankind, and whosoever, whosoever will come by faith, seeking God's grace through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, is no longer an enemy of God, but becomes a son of God. Through his grace. Saving grace is defined this way. The action whereby God freely gives to the unworthy. Willing recipient of recipient. That which they do not deserve. Giving us what we do not deserve. Look there back in uh, chapter 2 verses 1. With me. And he hath quickened uh, who are dead in uh, trespasses of sin. Wherein in the times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we are uh, all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of uh, mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. See, God's grace was given to his enemies. God's grace was a, is a free gift, allowing God's enemies to accept that by faith. Something that we don't deserve. How is that bestowed upon us? Is it just that grace just showed up? No, there's, a, there's key to this. Because it's saving grace. So there has to be a plan to receive and for this grace to be bestowed. Uh, God didn't say, well, I tell you what, man failed, I'm just going to sin grace. And I'll see that doesn't appease the holy God. There has to be a penalty of sin paid. So what happened? Well, this is what happened. God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't create a being. He didn't ask uh, one of the angels to do this. No, God chose the best that glory had the all. And he sent Jesus Christ Born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life. And Jesus Christ was steadily seeking the approval of the Father with everything that he done. And he knew that his life on earth, his ministry, would end at a brutal cross. And yet Jesus Christ took that because, see, that's God's will. 
carry out God's grace. And Jesus Christ was taken to the cross of Calvary. He was beaten, bloody, and hung upon a cross. He was killed. And three days later, he arose victorious over the grave. What happened? And now today, because of what Jesus Christ had done, grace can be received. You see, Jesus Christ became my death. What I deserve. You see, God, on the, or Jesus on the cross took all of my wrath. He took an eternity of my wrath. He took the eternity of my hell and died for that on Calvary. And today, because of God's grace and what Christ has done for us, God's grace has been bestowed upon mankind by whosoever. Verse 8 and 9 tells us there in Ephesians chapter 2 very clearly that there is not one thing that mankind can do to forgive you. It's not one thing that man can do to get to heaven except faith. You know, there's not one thing that we can do in the way of our own works or our good deeds or our religious activities ever to appease Jehovah. God will only accept one way. It doesn't matter what anyone will tell you. It doesn't matter what the television tells you. It doesn't matter what even I tell you today. But I can tell you on the authority of God's word, there's one way to appease God. And it's through Jesus Christ. Period. No other way. But through Him. Then we see there, I want us to see this Turn back a few pages with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. happened here, Paul is telling us uh, here in this passage of scripture that he had a thorn in his flesh. Many people debate about what that is. Probably it was his eyesight for what my conviction is, but I could be wrong on that. That he came to the Lord three times and said, Lord, I need this fixed. It's a thorn in my side. There's something that's oppressing me, and I need this fixed. And we see what the Lord told him. My grace is sufficient. So really what the Lord said in this, Brother Charles, I'm not going to fix that for you. Where you're weak, I'll make you strong. You're going to keep this ailment. You're going to keep this infirmity. You're going to keep this thorn. But my grace is sufficient for you to overcome it. And 
push through it, persist in it. I want you to think on it just a minute. Now this is the Apostle Paul. Through all these missionary, uh, as he moved through these missionary trips that he had taken, all the missions that he had done in the starting of these churches, bringing up young men to preach in these churches, yet he had an affirmative and he said he asked God three times to remove it from him. And God said, no, I'm not going to remove it from you. You're better with it than without it. My grace is sufficient. Keep going on. Well, that's the Apostle Paul. I want us to think on this just a moment. God's sustaining grace is given so that his children can persevere or overcome trials and difficulties. Persevere. There may be something in your life today that God's not going to remove from you. Now, God's capable of moving it, but God always knows what's best for you. We don't. How often have we ever had something in our lives and the first thing that we do is to say, God, I need you to deliver me from this. I need this to be gone. I've got my own idea of what needs to happen. I can lay that plan out for you, Lord, if you need it. And I'm going to give you my plan, my steps to get over this and now you just carry it out for me. You ever had that in your life where you think, first thing, Lord, deliver me from it. Deliver me from it. But the Apostle Paul says that he asked the Lord to remove something, and the Lord, uh, this thorn from his side, and actually the Lord just told him, said, my grace is sufficient. Where you're weak, I'll make you strong. You're going to keep it. I wonder if we're a little confused in our prayer life when troubles, persecutions, hardships come upon us, and the first thing we say is, Lord, deliver me from it. Get me out of this mess. I wonder if we would be better off to say, Lord, you make me whatever you or out of it, I'll serve you through it. We see this picture of this in one of uh, probably my favorite story of the Word of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know today that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have rather served God outside the fiery furnace. But that's not the approach they took with Nebuchadnezzar. They said, nevertheless, my God is sufficient. My God is able to deliver me out of thine hand. You do what you've got to do, and I'm still going to serve my God. I wonder how many times when difficulties come in our lives and we're just looking for an escape though. We're looking for something to push out of the way. We're looking for God just to take over in that situation. Maybe it needs to come in our lives as we say, Lord, you know the hardships or the trials that I'm facing right now, but your grace is sufficient in the difficulty or above the difficulty. I'll serve you and glorify you with it. Maybe that's the way we need to face it. Oh, isn't it just like us to say, Lord, get me out of it. And still say, God, just go ahead and give me the strength to push through it. And repeat it for your glory and your honor. You know, this world is a tough place. But I've seen hardships in my life. I know that you've seen hardships in yours. One thing that we do not have to ask God for. When these hardships come, say, Lord, we just need you to bless us. God's going to bless you whether you ask for it or not. you believe that? Of course he is. Because we're way blessed than we ask for it. Amen? But I wonder what would happen with a child of God when these hardships come upon us, these difficulties, these times of sickness, and these times of uh, loneliness.
loneliness. I wonder what would happen if just a child of God said, Lord, you know the situation I'm in? I just want to rise up that you be glorified in it. You don't have to take it away from me. I'll fight through it for your name's sake. I wonder what God would do through his grace to his glory. Whether I'm in it or out of it, I'll serve you. Whatever comes my way, I'll glorify you. That's not what he's saying there, is it? That's exactly what he's saying. 
He's saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. There's not one thing that you and I as Calvary Baptist Church cannot achieve if it's God's will and we depend on God's grace in leading us through it. I can do all things through Him. Now, we as the redeemed proclaim that first point of saving grace. I believe each and every one of us in this room today would say, you know what? It is Christ and Christ alone who saves. Amen? There's no other salvation outside Jesus Christ. Right? Okay. And I believe we believe that. Then why in the world do we think that we can serve Now, if you can't save yourself, and your works can't save you, and your deeds can't save you, then it'll take Christ and Christ alone through God's grace, then what would ever make us think that we'll ever be able to serve God without His grace moving in our lives? That we just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think I'll just teach Sunday school. Wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to today, and I'm sure God will be happy with it at the end of it. If salvation cannot be achieved by our works, do you think you and I can work in anything and appease God with our simple minds and our simple hands? Of course we can. We cannot serve within our own power with our own thoughts and with our own actions. It'll take us seeking God's approval, God's will in our life, and depending on God's grace to get us through that service. I asked the question this morning, how are you depending on making it to heaven? Well, my daddy was a preacher. I'm sure I'm going to make it. Well, I tell you what, my mama used to talk about Jesus a whole bunch in the house. I'm sure that'll get me to Well, now, I, I, I read the Bible, and I talk to God all the time. I, I'm in prayer all the time. That won't make it easy. To receive God's saving grace, it'll only come through Jesus Christ. Then how are we to achieve this sustaining grace? How am I going to face the actions of, or the things that I face tomorrow? How am I going to take these things and how am I going to overcome these things? And what if sickness comes upon me and I can't get over it? How am I going to get through it? It's God's grace that I'm to depend on to get through it. Because he says that my grace is sufficient. Well, I'm sure today that there's things that God's been laying on my heart I've sat and I've beat around the bush and I've told him I'm not able to do them and you're right, you're not able to do them on your own. Yeah, I know that there's things that God would have me to do and ways that God would have me to lead my family and the ways that God would have me to act at work and I'm just not ready yet. Well, I'm going to tell you it's time to grab a hold of God's grace and get sanctified with it and serve it. Save Father, 
I can't see to the depths of your grace. Cannot measure how deep it goes. But Lord, I am thankful for it. I'm thankful that through my faith and accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, one day I'll understand this grace. I'll understand it fully. But Lord, until that time, I pray that when hardships come upon me, disappointments, trials, and despair. That, Lord, that you would impress so on my heart that I not look for a way out, but look for you to come in. Look for you to move in your great and mighty way to sustain me. Lord, in the things that I'm doing in my life, pray you have me to serve you. Lord, I pray that I will depend on you for that service that you move in such a great and mighty way in my life. Reveal it yourself to me, preparing me to do exactly what you have me do, not what I want to do. Lord, I turn this time of invitation over to you, still the subject. stand.